0: Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here on a cold and windy day in Stark Vegas, it might match some Bulldog fans' moods. To be honest with you, it's uh, it's been an eventful few days, and uh, it's so easy to 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 lose track of the recruiting process. There, there. Sometimes we say, "Well, you know, only bad things happen to us," and that's just simply not true. It's simply not true at all. And there are some people that kind of rest their own personal insecurities on Mississippi State. It's like we glean so much self-esteem from the Bulldogs. When we're winning, we all feel great. When we're losing, we don't. Uh, But, you know, the recruiting is is an interesting process, to say the least. We're going to get into a lot of things today. A lot of you guys are kind of curious to hear. Where are we headed? What's happened? Why did it happen? Where do we go from here? I'm going to break all that down for you today. Happy to do it. Ready to be with you. It's, I've, I took some time this morning to get some things together. I uh, talked to a few people just to make sure that what we're, uh, what we're articulating to you guys is accurate. That's, uh, that's what, it's what we do here. We try to give you the truth of the matter, good, bad, or indifferent. But uh, it, yeah, it's been, it's been an eventful week to say the least. Mississippi State actually, believe it or not, contrary to popular belief, Mississippi State picked up three verbal commitments last week. We're going to break those things down for you as well. And uh, also lost some guys. And uh, and I say lost. Some of those guys lost Mississippi State. I want to make sure it's important that we understand that. It's a two-way street. It's like some people feel like, well, you know, these guys spread on Twitter that they decommitted, so something, somebody must have done something wrong. In some cases, some guys just simply aren't good enough. You know, you take some commitments early on, and the next thing you know, they, you don't get the benefit of spring practice or the camps, and then all of a sudden they have a disappointing senior season. And you've got to make some difficult decisions. Because here's the thing, we're paying Mike Leach $5 million a year to go win his football games. We hadn't won many this year. And so in order for us to get to the next level, in order for us to be able to compete – in the toughest league in all of college football, the SEC West, you got to recruit at a high level. Mike Leach historically has uh, has always kind of been a, a guy that's uh, you know kind of found those diamonds in the rough. Now, of course, he is in much better geographic standing now in Mississippi, having a chance to recruit some players that uh, perhaps they haven't had in the past, even in Washington State or Texas Tech. So, there's still the possibility Mississippi State could finish in the top 25, which would be tremendous considering all of the, uh, the encumbrances that the Bulldogs have had to overcome this year. And listen, it's not unique to Mississippi State. I mean, all, all coaches have been without the spring evaluation period, the summer camps, the in-home visits, the official visits. And so, everybody's kind of battling from behind here. And You're often battling for guys you don't know exceptionally well. But sometimes when you've done your own due diligence, so you know what, I don't know if that guy can play here. The best thing to do for all involved is to withdraw the offer. Now, some would say, you know what, Steve, we should never do that. I, I disagree. This is not the Boy Scouts. This is the Southeastern Conference. Sometimes some difficult decisions have to be made and sometimes feelings get hurt. But the, the, the worst situation, in my mind, is if you sign a guy that can't play, then he comes in and he finds out that he can't play, then he has to go back into the talent pool and go de- uh, transfer out and go to the transfer portal and go to JUCO or whatever and then reboot the recruiting process. Why not save him that wasted year of eligibility or two and save he and his family a lot of grief uh, and filling up their wardrobe with a lot of clothes they're never going to wear again just because you don't want to hurt somebody's feelings? These are adult decisions that are having to be made, and for young people, sometimes it is the first adult decision they've had to make, and it doesn't always work out the way they intend. So we'll talk about some of that today, and I'll I'll share with you my thoughts on it and just kind of give you an idea of where we are what to expect it is a national signing day The, the december signing period is a week from this coming wednesday this will be a very 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 eventful week in many respects as was last week something happens every single day there is good news one day bad news the next and every so often we get a little bit of both let me just warm you up to this mississippi state recruiting about 16 17 players for eight spots Okay, we're not going to sign all those guys. And then some of those guys are going to go somewhere else, and people are going to panic and say, oh, my gosh, who do we blame for this? There's only a finite number of spots. They only limit us to 25 spots per year, so we can only sign 25. Good recruiting means that you recruit more guys than you can sign. That's just how it works. You get out there and you work hard. And you say, you know what, what if this happens? What if this guy flips on us? Who would we replace him with? And you go out and you target those guys, and you kind of get them plugged in. You say, you know what, here's the deal. We're we're interested in you uh, talking to the head coach. Maybe we can get an offer for you here pretty soon. But that's part of the deal. There's a lot of things about the recruiting process that sometimes are very disingenuous on both sides of things. But there are many fans, many casual fans, that don't fully appreciate recruiting. And when they see a guy that is decommitted, they, you know, I've seen some of the posts on the Facebook groups, and, and and they absolutely drive me crazy. I love all of you, but some of you make my head hurt and say, oh, my gosh, we're not going to sign anybody. No, y- yes, we are. We're going to sign 26 quality young men that are capable of playing in a Southeastern Conference. That's what's going to happen. Some people get caught up in the negativity, and I love I the negative folks and say, well, I'm being a realist. No, you're not. You're, you know, you're, you're being a negative nelly. And that's not to say at some point we all haven't felt that way. But we're going to lose some kids, we're going to sign some kids, we're going to cut some kids, and there are going to be some people that just aren't interested in us. That's how the recruiting process works. And some would say, well, you know, we can't strong-arm these guys, we can't do that, we can't do that. Listen, I don't know, maybe maybe you guys had much different dating relationships than I did. Maybe, Maybe you did. Maybe every girl you ever asked out said yes, and maybe it was a wonderful relationship. And then perhaps when you saw that this wasn't the one, you kind of politely and kindly uh, entered the relationship and remained friends. Maybe that's what you did. That hadn't, but it wasn't how it worked for me. You know, oftentimes, as they say, when things, if they don't end badly, they don't end at all. I also had some girls tell me no. You know, but so it's kind of like recruiting. You know, recruiting's a lot like dating. You know, sometimes you have a long-standing relationship and you, see, you get to the end and say, you know what, I don't know if I want to be with this person for the next several years of my life. Reminds me of a story one time Les Kenning told me. You guys remember Les Kenning. He was offensive coordinator and quarterback coach under Dan Mullen the first part of his tenure. Les Kenning's a good man. I think a lot of Les Kenning. Les told me a great story. Les took his dad, who is called Big Les in Texas circles, and everybody in Texas high school football knows who Big Les is. Matter of fact, when I went and covered the uh, Texas High School seven-on-seven championships at College Station, little less, the Les Kenning we know, told me, hey, hey, let those guys know that you're a friend of mine, Les Kenning. And then the first question, everybody says, big Les or little Les. But everybody knows the Kennings, and uh, he, they have been all over and recruited Texas. And so Les told me one time he took his dad with him on a recruiting trip. His dad knows you know, high school football, knows football really well. It's why Les got into the business. And so they go out, and they go to watch this kid play, and it's a quarterback prospect. And this is prior to his time at Mississippi State. So I don't want you, you know, wrecking your brains trying to figure out I wonder who he's talking about. So Les says they get there, and they, you know, they sit down and get their drinks, you know, get some nachos, whatever, and they sit down, and sure enough, the quarterback prospect, they're on offense first. And they go out there, and he starts throwing the ball around. They go three and out. They don't have a good series. And there's this guy out there in the stands that is just giving the kid and the coaching staff absolute unshirted hell, hollering, screaming, fussing, griping. Well, they go back on offense again, same situation, and then there's this same guy again. Well, it turns out it was the quarterback's dad. It was the quarterback's dad. And so little less turned to his dad and said, hey, dad, let's go ahead and go. He goes, well, we just got here. He said, no, I've seen all I need to see. He goes, yeah, well, the kid hadn't even had a chance to really play. He goes, no, I'm looking at that guy right there up there hollering at his kid and hollering at the coaching staff complaining about play calling. There ain't no way I'm putting up with four years of that crap. Bulldog Burger Company, long-time sponsors of this show, man. You'll love them. I love them. You'll love the, the fine cuisine available to you at Bulldog Burger Company. Listen, two great locations to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark, Vegas, and then on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Go buy have the spring rolls. That's one thing so the Bulldog Guarantee – you go have the spring rolls. It's going to make you and everybody around you better looking. You're going to feel better about life having ate those spring rolls. Get a great restaurant quality hamburger. You can't beat it. You can get the Bulldog, which is a great straight rock and roll burger. It's a great American classic. You know, it's just you know, a great bun, a great burger, cheese, regular condiments. They even put a Bulldog burger uh, brand on it. But if you're like me, maybe you get to walk on the wild side a little bit try the smokehouse, try the Pimentology, add bacon. That'll put some hair on your chest. Bulldog Burger Company, great people, great food, great prices, great atmosphere. One of the best places in the Golden Triangle to eat. Again, two locations to serve you, Starkville, Tupelo. The place where people go to meet, M-E-A-T. All right, let's get into recruiting. All right, so the first thing I want to talk about is this McHale and Pounder situation. So... That was a big early recruiting win for Mississippi State. That was a guy that Ole Miss really, really wanted. It was a guy Mississippi State really, really wanted. It's not a great offensive line class. It's not a great class in Mississippi, period. Now, there have been some guys that have emerged late that have kind of added some value to the talent pool this year. But McKellum Pounders is a guy that I think most people consider the the top offensive line prospect in the state of Mississippi. Now, what you may not know is that prior to him committing to Mississippi State, he nearly committed to Ole Miss – there was a lot of discussion about that, you know, and your, your coaching staff kind of went to work and won the guy over, and he committed. But there has been an undercurrent here for the last couple of months, you know, and I, we, I've talked about it on Gene's page, and I've mentioned it in the Bones uh, many times, that the, the deal wasn't over. You know, it's like you think, okay, well, this guy's been recruited and recruited and recruited, and you know, he understands that uh, you know, the differences between State and Ole Miss, and he's a Mississippi State guy. That's what you would assume. You also think, too, well, you know, Ole Miss can't go in and have in-home visits. They can't have an official visit. They can't give them a steak dinner, let him dance with a pretty girl like they normally could because those there's a prohibition on those activities right now because of the dead period. But anybody had thought we were just going to coast on in the signing day without any drama is kind of kidding themselves. And so we have kind of been prepared for this possibility for a long time. Now, let me get into this for you as best I can. So McKayla Pounder's has been the room, has been a flip candidate for a long time. And there was some fan-based Ole Miss people that said here a couple months ago when, uh, you know, that he would put some things out on Twitter and they misconstrued that and said, hey, well, listen, he's about to flip. Uh, there wasn't anything to it at that point. But to give Ole Miss some credit, they stayed after him. They stayed after him. They've recruited him and his mother exceptionally well. And um, there's a lot of indecision with all of it. And so sometimes we drop guys – because they're simply not good enough. That's not the case with Michael and Pounders. He he is good enough to play here. Now is he a mid-level three star? Yeah, and I know sometimes people say, "Well, he's just a three star." Listen, the guy can play. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and and throw shade at his ability because he's not a bulldog anymore. The kid can really play. Now is he raw? Absolutely, but he's a big, physical, athletic guy that I believe will have a good college career. But it's going to be Ole Miss. It's going to be Ole Miss, and so. Let me break some things down for you here, real quick. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And, you know, you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tacovas is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tacovas has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. It's really been up and down, you know, for the better part of 10 days or so. There was some discussion, oh, well, Pounders may be flipping. Then the kid's like, no, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. He had told some of the other in-state commitments that he was good. And then, you know, there's a lot of confidence on the old Miss side that they, they had found some, some inroads there. And so on Saturday, let's back up a little more. One day last week, I can't remember which day it was, you know, McHale and Pounders puts out a top five. Which is an odd thing to do for, for a guy that's committed. you know it's like he was a commitment in word only rather than deed I mean because committed guys don't put that out there and listen, there's a lot of these guys out here they don't have anybody to help them navigate through the process, and so social media becomes a little bit of an attention seeking uh, pursuit, and a lot of guys that commit early lose their hype and they, they want some juice. I mean they see all these other guys that are you know you know getting all these new offers and all that sort of stuff, and things are great. <laughs> So after that, and I apologize for that, there was a little ebb and flow, you know, with him. Is he with us? Is he not? Is he with us? Well, on Saturday, McKaylin Pounder says, "Yeah, I'm going to close up my recruitment and stick with Mississippi State. Well, then rumors begin to kind of make the rounds that uh, all this was a bit of a setup. That he was, in fact, going to go to Ole Miss and that we were going to find that on National Signing Day. That they were just going to let it go and listen and people would say oh those dirty jokers listen we, we've done that kind of thing before we've done it to them it's just like with jeff simmons we had jeff simmons probably uh probably committed four to five days for national signing day and the understanding was is the only way we're going to get him is to let them think they have him and so we laid low we just let it coast on into signing day and we got him i mean you know there's no scoop worth any of that and so not to mention, you put it out there, all of a sudden it galvanizes the enemy, and all the next thing you know, you know they're working behind the scenes. And so it, the best flips are the ones that are blindsides, right? And so this one wasn't going to con- necessarily be a blindside, but the plan was, was to just let McAwen Pounder stay committed to Mississippi State and flip the old missile national signing day. That was the plan. That was the plan. Now, how involved he was in it, was it his undertaking or whatever, I don't know that. But that was the plan. And then, you know, people close to the situation kind of got wind of this and said, you know what, we, we've got to make a decision here. You know, why are we going to play these games? And this is one of the things that I respect about the current staff. You know, the Dan Mullen years here were great. When Dan was here, he was great to me. You know, I, Dan always was eager to answer my questions. And, uh, you know, when I had, you know, things that we were working on or whatever, he always made his staff available to us. I, I've got no complaints about Dan Mullen in that respect, in, in any respect at all, really. But one of the things that we did sometimes, too, is we would kind of talk ourselves into a false sense of security. and We'd say, you know what, you know, we're going to be okay here. It's all going to be okay. We'll take the kid at its word. It's all going to be good. Well, you know, sometimes you got to call a spade a shovel, and that's kind of what happened in this deal here. It's like, hey, we need some assurances, and that's happened a couple times now. It's like, hey, we've got multiple players out here that are available to us of comparable ability that want to get here. And if you're not going to be a part of it, then you need to let us know. You, you need you need to let us know so we can use that spot on somebody else. And, that, and that's the right thing to do. But, you know, that's the double whammy in all these blindside signing day flips. It's because of the fact it's not as bad as it used to be, but if you are in a situation where you're deciding between four and five guys and you feel like you have somebody, and then all of a sudden he flips on signing day, well, you haven't actively recruited those last four or five, because you don't have room for them. So they sign with somebody else. And then you're left having to go find that fifth offensive lineman more than likely with a less than comparable player. So while this was happening now, it's much better than on signing day. Because here's the thing that I want everybody to understand. McCalin Pounders was going to decommit from Mississippi State either on Sunday or on National Signing Day. And so while this happening on Sunday – You've got nine days to figure out what we're going to do. If he does it on signing day, you're pretty much out of time because the talent pool, for the most part, is going to be drained uh, after the December signing period. And then if you are chasing other players, chances are uh, they're getting new offers and new opportunities because of the fact that other schools missed out on other players, and so there's a trickle-down effect. And so then you end up taking a guy that, you know, perhaps is maybe a mid-level three-star, but you're having to go compete against Oklahoma, Alabama, and Notre Dame and everybody else. You want to get your business done in December. And so we have had multiple situations in the last couple of years. I know Jim Moore had specifically a couple times that uh, we elected not to sign an offensive lineman in December. And then come February, we didn't get him. You guys, look, this last year it was Dylan Spencer. You know, Dylan, Marcus Johnson had Dylan Spencer from Madison Central ready to commit in December. We elected to wait and go fish. And then in February, we didn't get him. And Marcus Johnson, of course, I went to the University of Missouri and and, and uh, Dylan went with him. Now he's back in uh, Jackson now, going to attend Jackson State. But my point being is that we gambled on that and lost. We ga- we gambled that we would, oh, we could still get him in February, but we didn't. You go back the year before, same thing happened. And I can't even remember the player that it was, but it was a kid out of uh, Christian Brothers, if I'm not mistaken. Same situation. Wanted to be here in December. We waited, offered him the day after the signing period ended, and said we're going to get him in February. We didn't. And then we're left scrambling. This is a proactive approach to recruiting. We get wind of something. We confront the issue. We don't get the answers that we want. We pull the offer. Simple as that. Now, let's be fair about it. You're pulling the offer because there's some indecision on the, on the part of the player. You know, if these guys are 100% sold in and bought in and ready to go, you're not going to have that conversation. You're just not. You're going to be ready to go. And so, yeah, Ole Miss created some indecision in these situations, and they're going to benefit from it because, hey, listen, Brandon Buckhalter's a good player. McHale Pounder's a good player. Now, do I think they're difference makers? No, but they're good guys that will contribute, and they'll be on your two deep, and they'll be able to make some plays for you. And listen, we need those kind of players too. The good thing about this happening now is we have the opportunity to replace them with players that will be more than special teams guys. We have an opportunity to replace them with guys that can contribute. And here's the thing that I want everybody to learn if you don't learn anything else today. Learn this. Whether it be the active roster, the coaching staff, the cleaning lady, or recruiting, Mike Leach doesn't want anybody here that doesn't want to be here. We want guys and gals and people and coaches that want to be at Mississippi State. If you like Ole Miss better, that's fine. Go be with them. But we're not going to sit here and beg you. We're not going to you know, get out here and fight in the streets. We're not going to do these uh, you know, package deals and try to get a mid-level three-star type guy. That's not going to happen. And it's okay. If you want to go up there, that's okay. Go up there. If you want to go to LSU, go to LSU. We want guys that want to be at Mississippi State. Now, we're going to sign some guys late that didn't really have Mississippi State on their radar early on. That's part of the process. As Melvin Smith told me years ago, half the job is teaching guys, is, is telling guys that, uh, that maybe initially didn't see Mississippi State as an option, that the Bulldogs are a great option for them. I mean, do you think the first time we went out there and recruited Greg Favors out there at what, Cross Points High School in Georgia? When Jim Tompkins went out there, do you think Greg Favors was thinking, I've always wanted to be a Mississippi State Bulldog? No. Guy wanted to play at Georgia. He wanted to play at Georgia Tech. You know, that's part of it. But when we get down here 10 days to signing day, it's a different deal entirely. All right, let's get to the top ten list, then we'll get back to some more recruiting talk. Gonna be a lot of recruiting talk today. Get ready for that. All right, the folks at my book here with us again, and you know what? The man in red—he must have gotten our Christmas letters because you know what? We're gonna get we're gonna get NBA, NFL action on Christmas Day. How cool is that? We'll get up early, we'll make some coffee, drink some eggnog, open gifts, and then once that's all done, and the kids are all off playing with their stuff, we can kind of settle into TV and watch some pro sports. Best place to bet on both of those is my bookie. They're the only sports book that doesn't care. Whether you're naughty or nice this year, they've got gifts for everybody. That's right. So even if you've been a bad boy this year, you can still get rewarded at my bookie. Sign up today, receive the ultimate stocking stuffer. Up to a thousand dollars in bonus cash for free. You heard that right? That's a great place to start. But we all know Christmas is about what's under the tree. And this year my bookie's giving you not one, not two, but six days of giveaways. Six. From December twenty second, to the 26th they're hooking players up with deals and promotions so exciting we can't even talk about them yet but we will they've sworn us to secrecy it's something to be thinking about though so you'll have to sign up and see what they are it's simple sign up enter promo code boneyard and get your deposit matched halfway up to a thousand bucks that's right you deposit 200 they're going to give you a hundred hours of house money to play with too head on over to my bookie right now to make the most of the holidays this year with six days of giveaways this winter the best bet always bet with my bookie all right there we go top 10 list today uh this one is uh brought to you by me and i was riding around i, I, was, I had book signings most of the week last week and so i was on the road a lot and uh one of my favorite traveling companions is kenny wayne shepherd kenny wayne shepherd is a great blues player if i'm going some of you guys say well steve i listen to boneyard but if I don't like the top ten, I fast forward to it. I'm doing you a favor right here. If you like the blues at all, listen to this. If you like rock and roll at all, listen to this. If you even like a little bit of country stuff, listen to this. Kenny Wayne Shepherd, one of the one of Louisiana's finest exports, tremendous songwriter, tremendous musician. Sounds a lot like a young Stevie Ray Vaughan. Just absolutely phenomenal. I've seen him live multiple times but uh when i'm riding around me me and kenny wayne shepherd have gone all over this country together so here are and i'm a fan so some of my some of my top 10 may not be singles you're familiar with but you need to get familiar with and roy's already got the spotify list together but i have all the albums i have them all uh coming home is one where he does a lot of uh, cover songs so i'm not going to put any of those on here there's a lot of legendary blue songs that they cover on that coming home album you might dig that but uh, i like the original stuff too love the original stuff so here are the honorable mentions and there are some today they didn't make our, our our spotify list but you can look them up on yourself on your on your own it's the dark side of love live on true lies which nearly made the top 10 list and in too deep love all those tracks but here's the top 10 now What's interesting to note too is when you go listen to these tracks, you get different lead singers on a lot of them. You know, Noah is the main lead singer, but uh, Kenny has had different singers throughout his career. The uh, Ledbetter Heights album, of course, had a different singer. Trouble is, it's probably the definitive Kenny Wayne Shepherd album, and uh, there's a lot of songs on this list from that album. There's not a bad track on there, but Noah kind of became the regular singer then. All right, so here we go, number ten. Not a Noah song, but off of the uh, Lay It On Down album. It's Baby Got Gone. It's a great up-tempo track. I think you'll dig it. I, I can hear it in juke joints right in my head right now. It's a great jukebox song. We're just sitting around shooting pool, having a good time. That's the kind of song. Number nine, this is a Noah song here. It's A uh, Woman Like You. Great song. And, and listen, it's one of those up-tempo tracks, too, that uh, it's like you can't get it loud enough. The vocal's great. The bassline's great. You're going to dig that one. Number eight, Back off the Ledbetter Heights album. Now, this is a song about somewhere not far from where we're from. Great tune. It's different, though. I want to make sure you understand this. The first you know, minute, minute and a half, you're going to think, what in the world am I listening to? It's kind of got an old school blues feel to it, you know, like they're up at ground zero or something you know, before we had electricity. And then the band kicks in a little bit later. But uh, I've played this for a few people, and they either love it or like they're not sure about it. But it's a song called Aberdeen, about those Aberdeen women. I love that song. It takes me back, man. And uh, there's a couple other songs that I probably should have put on the honorable mention list. But Aberdeen is one of those that I put on when I'm traveling. And, um, you know, it just it kind of takes me away. It helps me relax. You know what I'm saying? Number seven, a B-side song that uh, probably never got any airplay. One of the better songs that Kenny and Noah have done together. And it's a song called Believe. Love that track. It's uh, it's an inspirational type song, kind of a ballad, but uh, I think you'll dig it. Number six, Come On Over. And, uh, you know, it's one of those, it's a Dayton song, but uh, you'll check it out, you'll like it. Again, it's one of those up-tempo tracks. Good bass uh, line in this one, too, and a lot of blues fundamentals in this one. Going back, probably the first single of the Kenny Wayne Shepherd era. You know, he had some stuff he did kind of independently, but this is from the first major release of Ledbetter Heights. It's Deja Voodoo. Love this one. It's got great keyboards in it as well. It's uh, it's one of those songs that's really layered well. You'll hear a lot of instrumentation in it that perhaps uh, you listen to it two or three times, you kind of pick some things out. Number four on the list, might be my favorite Kenny Wayne Shepherd. ballad. Might be. And uh, it's about those relationships that, uh, you know, maybe they end, but, uh, you know, the feelings don't. And you always have that little soft spot for them and, Maybe they come in and out of your life, but it's called A Hard Lesson Learned. You're A Hard Lesson Learned. And uh, I, I love the vocal on this one. It is, it is a tremendous track. If you don't listen to any of these songs that you're unfamiliar with, because I know a lot of people know the hits, but if you don't listen to any of those songs that you're un, that's somewhat unfamiliar with, listen to that one. That's the one I think when you put that one on, it's going to take, uh, take you down Fields Street. Number three, these, in the top three, for me, are All Off the Trouble is album. Number three is Everything is Broken. Great opening blues riff, man. I love that song so much. And uh, it's basically just talking about, you know, relationships falling apart. Everything is broken. You know, broken cars, broken strings, broken bed, everything. And so it's, uh, it's well-written. It's kind of a clever tune. But again, it's kind of an up-tempo track. You can see people dancing out on the dance floor to that one. Number two, and I could have gone number one with this one. I absolutely could have. I love the live versions of this. There are several of them on YouTube, and I think I've seen them all. I love when people go to shows, and they uh, they record those great performances, especially... I haven't been to a concert since March, and I used to go once a month. I'm missing live music awfully. I mean, it's it's terrible. But we've got to do what we've got to do right now. Uh, number two is somehow, somewhere, some way, And uh, it's about a guy that's uh, in love with a girl, and it's, just, you know, it's a difficult situation, but he's going to figure it out. Somehow... Somehow, it's going to work out. And uh, I dig that song so much. The second verse kind of reminds me myself as if I wrote it. But number one, and I guess if you're going to do a Kenny Wayne Shepherd list, I think everybody knows this song, and maybe you haven't listened to it in a while. But my hope is this list will maybe reintroduce you to Kenny Wayne Shepherd Because a lot of people got into Kenny Wayne because of this number one song, it's Blue on Black. And it's been covered several times since then. Smith & Myers, uh, that's Brent Smith and Zach Myers from Shine Down, their first Smith & Myers uh, EP. They recorded it. Um, Five Finger Death Punches did it. Brantley Gilbert, I guess, is on that track too. So a lot of people have covered Blue on Black, but nobody is, is near as good as the original. It's one of my karaoke songs here. Love this track. I think everybody will. But my hope is, I love Kenny Wynne Shepherd's music. I absolutely do. I, I, there is not a bad song in the catalog in my opinion, there are some I like more than others. But Blue on Black, I think, really exposed people to Kenny Wayne Shepherd. People were like, "Man, this guy's really going somewhere." And then, because of the fact that he played more blues-type stuff, he didn't get a lot of airplay on traditional radio since then. But he hadn't gone anywhere. Kenny Wayne's still turning out albums left and right, and uh, you know, one of my favorite ones is, uh, you know, the more recent one, The Traveler so many great songs on that one and that's a woman like you was on that album but i would encourage you give kenny wayne another try i promise you for those of you that like good road tunes and that's what kenny wayne shepherd is it's good driving music yeah you know, I, listen I, I love i listen to motley just about every day but you know sometimes when i'm on the interstate i probably don't need to listen to kickstart my heart you know next thing you know i'll be doing 90 uh, but that's the thing about kenny wayne is i can get into those albums and and then it's I put it on and I just push play and then it just kind of chills me out and I'm in for the ride. And one of the things that I encourage people to do, if you're looking for new tunes and maybe you're nothing on the radio today is uh is tickling your fancy, think of somebody that you love and go listen to an album you're unfamiliar with. And that's what I hope this Kenny One list does for you. All right, so there we go. All right, Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of this show, man. Love them so much, man. They've been so great to me. Listen, if you're looking to make some um, last minute Christmas shopping give campus bookmark a try you can come to town they've got some specials they've got a lot of things there that are ready to go and if you can't make it to town and perhaps you're a little bit COVID cautious we all understand you can do some online shopping at campusbookmark.net and by being a loyal Boneyard listener we'll give you a phrase that pays BSR which stands for beautiful Steve Robertson and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks any order less than 50 dollars absolutely incomplete they've got everything you need there go check them out the new arrivals Showing up daily now. They're doing all they can to provide you guys with the most options possible. They're at Campus Bookmart. Go check them out. Stand the man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie. Everybody there will treat you like family because in their minds you are family. Again, that's CampusBookmark.net. Promo code BSR. All right. Lost in a lot of the willful misery for following college football recruiting is the fact that Mississippi State picked up three commitments last week. Let's talk about those. Let's start with Rah-Rah. Go ahead and get ready. rah is a guy you should be excited about. It's Roderigus Thomas out of Eufaula, Alabama. I had somebody send me a pronunciation guide. I always said Eufaula. They say it's Eufaula. All due respect to those people, I'm sorry. But uh, 6'1", 185, former South Carolina commitment, and uh, a guy that Mississippi State was on prior to and kind of moved on from. Uh, 247 rates him as an 87, and he is a three-star composite Uh, across the industry i love his film i've watched it Uh, i've broken it down i love his ability to elevate he plays bigger than six one got a ton of offers not a lot of ton of power fives i guess he's probably got a dozen offers now but uh this is a good get for mississippi state and when you begin to think about how this whole thing kind of played out and i touched on this a little bit last week mississippi state already had four receivers committed including brandon buckhalter Well, then all of a sudden, they commit Rodarius Thomas. And then a few days later, Brendan Buchhalter, quote-unquote, decommits. You make of that what you will. That's proactive recruiting there. You say, oh, well, Steve, the timing on that is is incredible. You're exactly right. When you control the timing, yeah, it's always going to be perfect. But that's the situation there. Late in the week, we picked up Randy Charlton. That's a, a grad transfer. I guess he's maybe a regular transfer. Yeah, he's a regular transfer originally out of uh, Miami Southridge in the 2018 class. Randy Charlton had a good couple of years there at UCF. He was part of that 2018 class. So you got 18, 19, and now 20. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, uh, you know, with that transfer rule. 6'3", 250 pounds or so, but he's a guy that uh, can come in and and create some pass rush off the edge. That's an immediate need for us. You know, with Marquis Spencer and Kobe Jones moving on at season's end, you know, we don't have a lot behind them experience-wise. Jack Harris, Aaron Odom have kind of run second team at defensive end much of the year, and they've both shown some flashes at times, but I think at this point you probably need to bring some competition into the room. That's what Randy Charlton does. We needed an older defensive end. We found one. He's committed, plans to sign with us uh, next week and then make the move over, and then we'll be ready to go, be a guy that will be in the SEC. And uh, we need that guy. We absolutely do. That is an immediate need. That's one thing we talked about on the show more than once, is if we could find an older defensive end, whether it be from JUCO ranks or grad transfer or whatever, uh, we needed to do that. We've done that. The uh, final commitment of the week was Albert Reese. And uh, this kind of came together pretty quickly. This is a guy that reached out to us. This is a guy that, uh, you know, his his recruitment had kind of, you know, exploded for a while, and then he committed to Rutgers. A lot of it was because of geography, because his mom is in, uh, is in Canada, wanted to be closer to her. But this is a guy that's got a ton of offers. I believe 25 offers at last count, including, uh, you know, Ole Miss, Arizona State, uh several others let's run some of these down just because i know that some of you it's like it's not enough for us to get the kid uh it's who do we be to get him? so let me run some of these offers down just for you guys that uh that are offer counters there's a lot of people in our industry that count offers and don't evaluate film either and then a few years down the road that was so well, this kid was a bust no he wasn't a bust he just lied about his offers all right so here's who we, here's who he claims offers from Uh, UMass, Rutgers, Arizona State, Bowling Green, Buffalo, Eastern Washington, Florida, International, Fresno State, Grambling State, Illinois State, Iowa State, Kansas, Maryland, Michigan State, Minnesota, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, Syracuse, Tulane, Central Florida, South Florida, West Virginia, and of course Mississippi State. So a good mix of power fives in there. Probably the uh, most highly recruited offensive line prospect in the class. He's also a January enrollment guy, and then he and his uncle made the trip to Starkville yesterday. So not only did he get offered, then he committed, and then he, of his own volition, decided to come up here to look around and see Starkville and see Mississippi State. It's got to make you feel good about life. Now, he was the guy that a lot of people on the Ole Miss side thought was about to flip from Rutgers to them. So, you know, if we, want to, if we want to adopt the Ole Miss recruiting rules here, we can say, well, you know, we beat him. But I, I was told uh, late in the week that there was something that happened between he and Ole Miss. I don't know if it's on their side or on his side, but he would not be going there. That he, he of his own volition, decided, you know what, i got to look at some other options. And um, Mississippi State gets in the mix, and now he's headed up here. And he is a really, really large human being. And if you're going to play offensive line in this scheme, in this league, you need to be. A huge human being, uh, I'm told he is six, seven and a half, and then right at three hundred pounds. He is a massive human being, massive. and when you go think about this Washington State offensive lines, that's what they had. They didn't have a lot of these tweeners and guys that were you know true guards. you didn't have a square body types. you got guys that were long and lean that could handle the splits that this offense requires, and uh, Reece certainly does now. With Mikaelin Pounder's, quote-unquote, decommitting, that takes you from five offensive linemen to four, and all four, Gabe Cavazos, Nick Jones, Carson Williams, and now Albert Reese, they're all December graduates. Let that sink in for a second. You guys worried and worried and worried and worried, like all of us did, about that offensive line. And so we're going to have four guys to bring more competition to the room in the spring. That's huge. Now, what do we do for that fifth offensive line spot? Do we, do we use it on a lineman? Do we use it somewhere else? Well, I think that the plan right now is to continue to slot that for an offensive lineman. So you kind of break it down from here. Okay, so we got Austin Barber out of Jacksonville. He had a Final Four of uh, State, Ole Miss, Maryland, Virginia Tech. With McHale and Pounders expected to go to Ole Miss, I understand that should be their last offensive lineman in the class. That should hit their allotment. And so then Ole Miss wouldn't really be an option for him. And, and that's the thing, too. I, I've been told yesterday afternoon, I ran home and tried to get the story written when I got done from signing books in Houston, is that State and Ole Miss would split Barber and uh, Pounders. And at that point, we just didn't know how it was going to shake loose. But it um, wasn't long after that we found out that uh, Mississippi State's were really head in a different direction. So that's kind of how things stand there. So there's Austin Barber that's in the mix. There's Cannon Boone, longtime Mississippi State target. He was among our first serious out-of-state offensive line possibilities. And then he committed to Virginia Tech. And people say, well, Steve, well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, here's the deal. And if you recall, I talked about it on the show when it happened. One of the staffers, one of the off-the-field staffers, I guess he works in um, you know player development or something, is a former assistant coach of Cannonbone's father. They, they coached together in high school football there in Texas. So there was a relationship there, and that's a big reason why he elected to go to Virginia Tech. And now the concern is what's going to happen with Fuentes. Are they going to fire the staff this year? If they don't fire them this year, they're going to fire them next year? Uh, that's a real concern for a guy that's basically moving halfway across the United States to go play football, and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the people that were instrumental in him making that decision are no longer there. Then you're all of a sudden, you're a long way from home around people you don't really know well. So he is back in the mix. Nason Simmons is a guy from Cherokee County, Georgia, we've talked about. And to be honest with you, have Albert Reese not come along and gotten that offer, I think Nason Simmons would have gotten an offer. There's been a lot of uh, jockeying for position late. Now, at this point, I would say Nason Simmons is probably behind a couple guys. He's got a handful of G5 offers. He's got several G5 offers, not any power fives, but he's a raw developmental guy. But he's, you're looking at the length, looking at the size, and you say, okay, he's a possibility. But Bulldog fans should expect us to sign five offensive linemen, and we needed to. And for four of those five being able to be January enrollees is huge. Huge, huge, huge. The group is beginning to play better. Now all of a sudden you're going to add some more competition into the mix. So as a result, everybody should improve even more. I also think it's good, too, you get a couple of junior college guys that you can plug in for immediate competition. I think Nick Jones and Carson Williams both probably factor in at guard next year. And it makes sense when you think about the fact that Greg Island, and Darian Parker are also guards. And so you bring in some guys there and you feel pretty good at tackle. And listen, we had Dollar Bill on at tackle last week. In, I mean, pardon me, at guard last week against Ole Miss. And, you know, he's in there wrecking shop. You know, so you've got some young options there, but I like how we balance it a little bit. We, we we didn't go wholesale JUCO. We're looking to get five guys, two JUCO, three high school guys, because, you know, high school offensive linemen develop at different rates. And so you got to get them into your strength and conditioning program. you got to teach them some flexibility. you got to get them going. you got to teach them some technique. Those guys are getting by on being bigger and stronger than everybody else. And so now all of a sudden you you get them into, in, into your pipeline, kind of getting them going through your program. And so that kind of gets you off the JUCO, uh, you know, cycle thing there. But I'm a firm believer in I would sign a junior college offensive lineman and defensive lineman every single year. I I would. Just because in the state of Mississippi you're going to have guys that at the very least can be two deepers and really push your guys along. Um, And with the attrition that we see at times, you know, with this transfer portal and that sort of stuff, uh, yeah, it makes sense to me. I would sign the best available offensive and defensive lineman I could possibly get every single year from the junior college ranks. I I would do it every single year. Every year. Every year. And that way you get off the whole, uh, you know, the the ups and downs of the talent cycle. That way you've got plug-and-play guys coming in every year. And even if they're just two deepers, they still serve a benefit to you. These guys are difference makers, especially those guys that are bounce backs. But I, I would do it every single year. Now, wide receivers, you know, we've offered some guys, and we're still talking to Antonio Harmon a little bit. Uh, K.J. Johnson, of course, is kind of back in the mix a little bit. I don't expect us to add a fifth wide receiver. But what happens if Malik Neighbors flips to LSU? And you know, a lot of people are saying, well, Steve, we hadn't talked about that in a while. Well, it's still a possibility. State still maintains the lead. He's still committed to Mississippi State. But LSU is still the home state school. And, uh, you know, they, they made a big run. State survived the wave. They're going to make another big run. Can we survive that one? We'll see. You know, it's very, very, very difficult to beat LSU on a kid they really want from Louisiana. So let's say here, you know, what should Steve Spurrier and Dave Nichol do? Well, they can't just sit around wringing their hands waiting for a phone call from league neighbors. They got to go out and say, okay, well, what do we do if this kid flips? What do we do? Well, you got to go line up some options. Antonio Harmon was a guy that uh, was talking about committing to Mississippi State in January of his junior year, and some people got involved with his recruitment. Next thing you know, now he here here he is at the end, kind of figuring this thing out. He would have already been a Bulldog. I'll have a lot more to say about that that sort of thing later on. But what do we do with Antonio Harmon? And one of the guys on the message board mentioned Steve. He is his own buster, like you've mentioned. I love that phrase; it makes perfect sense to me. When you've got a big, long, physical receiver with a great catch radius, you can throw that underneath route, and he is strong enough to fight forward, move a change for you, yeah, you're going to need those guys when you're going to face as much zone coverage as we are. So we we talk about Antonio Harmon's foot speed. And listen, he has good speed, not great speed. He's not an elite guy. He doesn't run away from a lot of people. But considering that sometimes we've had to play this this thing in 10- to 15-yard increments – yeah, it works well for him. He can go up there and wall somebody off, and you can make a play. And then, you know, we don't need him to run away from people. We need him to run through people. And so, if we end up taking Antonio Harmon as a fourth receiver, or perhaps the best available, if the cards fall just right, we take a fifth receiver that makes sense. Now, if if I'm picking and choosing, I'm going with KJ Jefferson, Kent Johnson. Excuse me, and and put some respect on KJ Jefferson's name for a great game against Missouri last week. Uh, but i like canarius johnson a lot i have him rated as the second best receiver in the state of mississippi and one of the reasons why is because he is so explosive he is a guy that catches the ball well in space he can make people miss and if you miss the tackle he has the foot speed to turn it into six points now he's not a guy that's going to be able to go up there and run that five and seven yard curl in front his linebackers and make a living doing that he's a guy that's going to, have to play on the outside he's a guy that's going to play outside the numbers But he's also a guy that can elevate and make a contested catch. I like him a little bit better than Harmon. They're completely different players. But I think, you know, when you look at what we have, there is a home for either one of them. So in the event that Malik Neighbors flips or if we end up with a best available slot on offense, it makes sense to go get those guys. Now, running back-wise, you know, now Mississippi State doesn't have a single one committed. Amari on Howard from Starkville, quote, be committed. I hope the best for him. I believe that he is a one-cut runner that would have probably really thrived in a Dan Mullen scheme. I think that fit him, and and probably to a lesser extent the Jim Moorhead scheme. I don't think he's a good fit for this scheme. And I think the right thing to do there is to encourage him to find something else. And you know what? There may be some hurt feelings behind it. That's part of the deal. I hate it when Startville kids um, either don't get recruited or in a situation uh, basically get dropped. Uh, you know, you hate it for the kid. You hate it for the family. Because now all of a sudden, you know, you, you, what you thought was once secure is no longer. And so you've got to make a move there. But, again, this is not the Boy Scouts. This is the Southeastern Conference. And so I don't think that he is dynamic enough to play running back in this scheme. I wonder what we're going to do with him. Uh, I hope it was a mutual parting of the ways, and I wish him the best. But Jarquez Hunter from Nishoba Central appears to be the preferred candidate running back right now. People ask about Jalen White and Monte Watkins. I just don't see it happen. I would love for it to happen. But here's the thing. When you have two freshman running backs, Jaquavius Marks and Dylan Johnson, then you've got a sophomore ahead of them in Lee Witherspoon, and this year doesn't count, so you're going to return three underclassmen next year at running back. You're not going to get a blue-chip running back. Not to mention with this scheme, it kind of impedes your ability to attract blue-chip running backs. That's just how it is. Chances are we're going to have to do our best running back shopping here in the state of Mississippi and probably in the border states. We're not going to be able to go out there and get somebody that uh, is expecting to get 25 carries a game. Will they get, you know, 10, 15, 20 touches a game? Yeah, but he won't be as a ball carrier. it will be as a receiver. And so a guy like Jarquez Hunter is a little bit more dynamic in the respect that he can go out there and, and catch passes out in the pass pattern. He also – Uh, is a very, very smart and hardworking player and be a good locker room guy for us. And so hopefully that works out, but he's not planning to make a decision until February. But that's kind of the offensive line primer. Let's look at the defensive side of the football before we get out of here. We've heard a lot about Jadarius Perkins throughout the process. You know, he committed to Oregon. It was a little bit of a surprise when he did it. I didn't think it would stick. It didn't. He has decommitted. Mississippi State very much in the mix with him. A lot of people are crystal balling him. I think ultimately he'll end up at State. But uh, you're recruiting against Oklahoma and others. And uh, so this is not going to be just a situation where we get him by default. We're going to have to continue to recruit him exceptionally hard. We have never given up on him. Our staff continue to recruit him throughout the process. Never gave up on the possibility of him uh, making a late decision to stay closer to home. Hopefully that works out for Mississippi State. C.J. Johnson, Charles Johnson second from French Camp Academy. I expect him to be in the class. I do think he ends up as a safety I do think that he is probably good enough to play nickel, too. I think he's versatile enough to be able to uh, to come on the blitz. And I think he's a guy that can cover out in space. I really like his game. What are we going to do with Justin Wiley? You know, at, at this point, I'll tell you, it's uh, I don't expect him to stick with Minnesota. I, I, I do think that he'll end up uh, playing football in Mississippi when it's all said and done. But it's one of those deals, too, where – the fact that Jaden Wiley's having a big experience here is really not registering with Justin, from what I understand. It's not like, hey, well, listen, he's having a great experience. Let me go join him. Listen, there's a real possibility of him just kind of doing his own thing. And I've had some people tell me, you know, that don't be that, that he's kind of a different kid in the respect that, uh you know, he doesn't just do things because people expect him to do it. And said, you know what, he might end up sticking with Minnesota just because. And then I think he'd be in a transfer portal in a year or two as well. But. um, He's going to make what's the decision best for him. I'm told that it's not about, hey, what's easier on mom and dad. I got to find the best place for me. It's my decision, and uh, I know Ole Miss is still in there in the mix a little bit, and some other schools too. But uh, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if uh, you know, you know, if he flipped. I'd be, wouldn't be surprised if he stuck. There's nothing at this point that would surprise me. Uh, linebacker wise, John Lewis from Germantown remains in the mix. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I thought it was pretty much over and done, that it would be between Florida State and Ole Miss. I do think it is a three-team race now. And depending on what day you talk to people, you get a different answer every time. The talk now is he's going to announce this week. I understand Thursday is the day. Could be any day from now. I'm not ready to crystal ball that one just yet. I know a bunch of crystal balls rolled in for Ole Miss last week. I don't know that I agree with that yet. And I say yet, it's because of the fact that um, there is still a lot of ebb and flow with all of that. I'm told that he has a a heavy lean to one program, but he's not ready to announce it. I like John Lewis a lot. He was kind of a guy, too, that uh, kind of came into his own later in the process. And so as a result, he doesn't have maybe... The offer sheet some expected him to have, uh, and they were. Listen, there were some people told me early on that said, "You know what, he man, if you go to a junior college, and we could be the number one player in the country." I'm told he's not going to have to go to a junior college. He's expected to qualify, and so I feel like right now, the Mississippi State is probably in a better position when John Lewis and we ever have been. That's not to say at this point that I think that I'm ready to make the call and say he's going to Mississippi State, but a lot of these crystal ball picks to all Miss, I think, were premature, and I don't care who made them. The information that I have. Uh, I trust. So we'll see what happens. And again, a lot can happen between now and Thursday. I'll update you guys on Wednesday, and by that time, I'll be ready to make a pick. Defensive line wise, you know we've got Randy Charlton. You've got Travon Marshall. We're not going to sign a defensive tackle this year. Probably need to get a couple other defensive ends. But I don't think we need to warm bodies. If you can't get Ty Cooper and you can't get uh, Deontay Anderson, it's probably best to kind of move on. You know, I think maybe you use that, allocate that one of those spots for another position. The Ty Cooper thing is very much 50/50, and still very much in the air. Uh, I, I, I get Ty is one of those guys too that I understand that uh, the process has kind of weighed on him a little bit, and he's tried to stay focused, and he wins the state championship, and now he's ready to kind of push this thing along. But uh, Ty Cooper's a good kid, and uh, comes from a good family. And uh, as I said on Bo Bowens' show earlier today, he's not one of those guys that's going to make anybody mad. He may disappoint some people because they want him to be a part of their football program. But he hadn't played games with recruiting. He haven't he hadn't told people, I like this school, I don't like this school. He hadn't done the whole social media thing where he's inflamed anybody. He's just kind of quietly gone about his business. I respect the way that he's handled this, no matter which school he chooses. If I had to call it today, I think it's 50-50. And I, I think State's probably probably trending right now. And it's a funny, last Monday I felt like State had him, and then by Wednesday I was convinced Ole Miss did. Then it was 50-50 on Thursday, and then I was back on the Ole Miss train. As of today, I think State might have a slight lead. I think there's some people around him that have kind of talked to him about, you know, the importance of uh, defensive line development. And listen, and I'll be honest with you guys, if Deke Adams wasn't at all Miss, Ty Cooper's already a bulldog. Deke Adams done a great job recruiting for Ole Miss. He has. That's why they have Jermon Gordon, too. Deke Adams is a good recruiter. He was a good recruiter here, too. Uh, a lot of you guys are worried about MJ Daniels. I, you know, I'm always concerned, but I'm never worried. But I'll tell you, I am i feel better about MJ. Like, I didn't lump Buckhalter and MJ and Pounders into the same category. I actually felt better about MJ than those other two. And if you had told me that six months ago, I never believed it. You know, we expected MJ to be a roller coaster all the way to signing day. But since he's committed to Mississippi State, it hasn't been a roller coaster. He's been up here and spent time with Dylan Lawrence, his cousin. Uh, he's come to ball games. He's been around. You know, he his. We talk about we'll judge their actions rather than their words. It's just like with Brandon Buckhalter, right? Buckhalter was committed to us, but go into Ole Miss football games. Okay, so the words say one thing, the actions say another. So let's look at M.J. Daniels. He says I'm solid Mississippi State, and then somebody calls him and says, Well, you know, if I was to flip, maybe you know, I think those are silly questions anyway. But he's been on our campus, and so if that adage rings true for Brandon buckhalter why wouldn't it ring true for us? Why wouldn't Mississippi State fans feel like, you know what? Yeah, there's a lot of people chasing this guy, but every chance that he's had to be on our campus, he's been here. He's come up here, he's hung out, he's gotten to know the players. He's, you know, he's on around with Dylan Lawrence regularly. I mean, you know, this is this is an important part of it. Recruiting's about relationships, and so. If we're going to say, well, we saw the Brandon Buckhalter thing coming, then we should say well, we see the M.J. Daniels thing coming that he should stay. Now, I may feel completely different tomorrow. You know, but the tea leaves on that one, read Maroon. And I've had some people close to him tell me that, hey, you know, he really likes what's happening on the Mississippi State defense up there. He's having a good time and kind of getting to know these things. And the only time he's been to Ole Miss this entire year outside of junior day was to watch Mississippi State play Ole Miss. I think those kinds of things are important. Speaking of important, I know many of you dream of someday living in Starkville, Mississippi again, or for the first time. Our friends at Portico, they're going to do their best to take care of you and to give you great options, whether it be for an investment property or whether it be for your primary residence. Portico is a great new development right here off Garrett Road. Right there behind the Hilton Garden Inn and the Cry Jeep dealership, just over a mile from campus. Easy access to both Highway 82 and 25. It's going to be a large complex, but it's not going to be one where everybody's on top of each other. There's 51 houses in development, 18 houses already uh, reaching move-in condition. 33 houses will be uh, built next year, and uh, that phase will get going. And these are houses of 13 to 2,000 square feet. We're talking two bed, two-bath, up to four-bedroom, four-bath. They got a walk and trail, pavilion area. A lot of things you need. And listen, if you want more information, and you darn well should, call our friend, my friend, your friend, college baseball's friend, Brooks Bryan, and he will tell you all about what you need to know about Portico. Phone number 601-416-8075. 601-416-8075 and you may have forgotten this but brooks bryan robbed a home run against the university of washington in a regional that sent our boys to omaha and uh, brooks will tell you all about that too and if you want like if you want any funny stories you know any you know uh, any richard lee stories or uh, brian Wee stories he's got those for you too all right so we had a bunch of book signings last week got some this week and there's a couple other things i want to talk about before we uh before we get out of here but if you are uh if you're looking for signed books and you live in uh the jackson metro area you can find them at lemuria you can find them at barnes and noble and Ridgeland. you can find them at the y'all lifestyle store uh you can find them at college corner at both Ridgeland and flowwood we've got books pretty much all over the place up there and uh everywhere that i go i leave signed books so trendy house in houston has uh a handful of all the books that are signed and um you know, they're all over Starville and everywhere else. Everywhere that I've been, there is a trail of signed books behind me. But if you're looking to get personalized copies, let me encourage you, either come to a book signing, but if you're being COVID cautious, and I understand, go to alphadogsthebook.com. That's alphadogsthebook.com. And you can get personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, or Alpha Dogs. And you've still got time to get them for Christmas. But here's the deal. I don't know if you've noticed, time is running out. It's 18 days for Christmas. And so every single day I'm having to go sign books. And so your, your friends and neighbors are, uh, are buying books, but you don't need to wait around uh, because what's going to happen is you're going to wait to the last minute and say, oh, yeah, I've been meaning to do that, and then it's not going to get there by Christmas. And so, again, go to Alpha Dogs book, and uh, if you're looking for some T-shirts and hoodies a little bit different, go to StarkVillains.com. So let's talk a little basketball before we get out of here. You know what? I'd be remiss if I didn't give you the schedule this week, too. Let me, let me run out. There's three signings this week. Thursday. I am back in Meridian at the uh, Bulldog Shop. That's uh, 12 to 2. You guys know you know the place. 12 to 2, downtown. And then on Friday, December 11th, I'm going to be in my hometown of Columbia, Mississippi. That's right. They got the big Christmas lights thing down. There. I've never seen it. But I'm going down there. I'm going to be at the flower shop right off of Main Street from 4 until. As long as we're selling books, we're going to stay. That thing runs into the evening. And I'll be down there in my hometown on Friday night. And uh, we'll look forward to that. And then Saturday, I'll be at the Lodge. And uh, you know that Auburn game is a 6-30 game. So, we'll find out kind of how things go uh, here in the coming days about what time it's going to be. So, that's that's the schedule this week. So, let's talk some basketball before we get out of here. Your women lose a game on Saturday, and a lot of people lost their minds. Uh, The first thing I'll say – is it's tough to go on the road and win anywhere in the country. But South Florida is expected to be a tournament team, and we lose that game in overtime. We didn't play well. We didn't score a lot of points. They did a great job defensively against us. Uh, We lose the ball game, and then it's going to be a little while. It'll be a week from today before the ladies are back in action. The game against Southern Miss has been canceled. No amendment to the schedule has been announced. So we expect the ladies to play Troy at 7 p.m. a week from today. But uh, listen, we're going to lose some ball games. We're going to win some ball games. But the ladies are going to be fine. We're a very talented team, and sometimes you learn a lot about your team in a loss. And I believe that's probably the case here. Men's basketball, uh, actually playing pretty well now. You know, we, we struggled a little bit, I guess, on uh, against North Texas, but uh, you know, we won the game. And listen, what they won Conference USA last year, I believe I saw that. And uh, you got a lot of guys back from that team. Now, state two and two. We opened the season zero and two. And uh, many of us were, like, ready to kind of throw our our hands up and say, to heck with the whole thing. And now we've won two in a row and uh, had to kind of grind that last one out against North Texas. And so, you know, if we're going to be, you know, overly negative when we lose, let's try to show some exuberance when we win. Uh, Bulldogs back in action tomorrow night in Starkville against Jackson State. That'll be on the uh, SEC network also, to the uh, MSU radio network, and you can check all those things out. And then we hit the road for uh, Hoopsgiving uh, in Atlanta, Georgia uh, this weekend and play the University of Dayton, our Dayton University. But uh, Jackson State tomorrow night, 8 p.m., you should be able to get that on your devices and check that out. Uh, we'll see how things kind of progress with this team. But, um, you know, listen, that's what the non-conference is for, is to kind of get us ready for SEC play. Uh, we are a different team with Iverson Molinar on the floor. And that's the thing, too. As I said on the show, it's difficult to, to judge too critically and too harshly about those first couple losses when one of the best offensive players we have returning was absent. But Iverson came back, and, uh, you know, he still kind of rounded himself back into good health. But uh, we're a better team with him on the floor, and I think we all realize that. But uh, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be an up-and-down year for men's basketball, but I believe it's a transition year. And many people ask me when I get out there and say, "Steve, what do you think about Ben Howland's future?" I, I listen. I don't expect Mississippi State to make a coaching change this year. I just don't. I don't. I think Ben Howland will have this year to kind of lay the groundwork with this this young nucleus, and then next year I think is a year that you maybe it may be fair to kind of judge him and kind of see, "Hey, here's the direction of this program." You know, I think next year is probably a big year in the Ben Howland era here at Mississippi State, and so yeah. You laid the groundwork this year, and you build from that from that next year, and then maybe we're back on, uh, you know, on the upwards trajectory. I still believe that uh, the fact that we had three NBA selections on one team and couldn't win an NCAA tournament game is a stinging indictment of this coaching staff, and uh, I'm I'm not afraid to say that. Um, you know, I also think too that um, this is a, a coaching staff too that is gone out and identified some talent that they've got some pieces now it's about kind of meshing them together and kind of moving forward but again i don't think it's fair to judge the team or the coaching staff too harshly for this year i just don't we I mean, had an incredible amount of attrition last year and so we'll kind of figure it out from here we going to do it for today man thank you guys so much enjoy some kenny wayne shepherd buy some books and I, everywhere I go, people say, you know what, I want to get that book, I want to get that book. And then uh, then inevitably, I get on Facebook, and every time that I leave somewhere, it's, hey, I missed the signing. Working and I order? Alphadogsabook.com. And everybody waits to the last minute. And if you want to ensure that you get your personalized copies, you need to order today, especially when in those weeks I'm going to be out of town, because sometimes I can't get over there and sign books for, for a couple of days. So, to ensure you get yours before Christmas, you need to seriously consider ordering this week. I wouldn't put it off a day longer. Well, that's going to do it. We'll be back on Wednesday, and you never know what the world of recruiting is going to have done for us by then. Uh, you know, it, this it's a newsworthy cycle, good, bad, or indifferent. So we'll have an update on Wednesday, and we'll be able to recap uh, – what your men did against Jackson State, and kind of look ahead to some other cool things. But uh, listen, we're in the heart of recruiting season, so get ready for that. We're going to be pretty recruiting heavy here on the show here for the next couple of weeks. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.